track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's slammed it forward. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Welcome in to WWE. I was trying to do a double J gimmick, but there's not enough W's in here. WWE War, Wrestling Above Replacement. I am JT, and joining me, as always, is my buddy Marcus. Apologize up front for my gravelly voice. It's been a week, for sure, here. I like it. Been on the struggle bus big time. I don't know if you could tell. I popped a blood vessel from coughing in my head. That looks good. Looks like it got some good color. Yeah, juiced up a bit for the Christmas holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. We're here tonight to wrap up another season, buddy. It is crazy uh, that it's already time. It is a short season. We stretched it out a little mm. bit, <clears throat> do a little uh, machination of the schedule. But overall, we are wrapping up, and we'll be kicking off a new season in a couple weeks. <clears throat> Before we get to that, though, just want to take a minute to welcome everyone in uh, to the new year here at North South Connection. Thank you for all your support in 2023. Uh, I don't, I don't think this is the first show dropping, but kind of the first one where we we have some idea of what we got going on right now. So I wanted to just take a moment and just kind of level set where everything's at. So uh, we have multiple feeds. We have shows that simulcast on both those feeds. Uh, shows like this are simulcast in both audio and video. All of our videos on our YouTube channel. So just search North South Connection and subscribe there. And then all the audio are on any podcast application to North South Connection as well. So if you like to listen, you can listen to this 
You can watch it. We do have exclusive content, though, that is exclusive to audio and video. So some shows only record audio only. They're longer form podcasts. We do do a lot of short hit video stuff uh, that we don't cross over to the audio as well. Some do, some don't. <clears throat> the best thing you can do is subscribe to both or follow us on social media so you don't miss a thing. You can go to Facebook, follow us at North South Connection. Instagram under No So Connection. TikTok under North South Connection as well. Uh, I don't know. Marcus, we're, I think we're both on X, Twitter, but honestly, I'm, I'm my New Year's might be to wean that off, uh, so I probably won't be yeah. sharing a ton from this. Uh, it's so no, I, I, I mean, you can follow us there, but it's it's just sort of North South Connection. But yeah, what were you saying? Yeah. Oh, it's weaned itself off. It's almost un unusable app. Yeah, yeah, it's trash. Uh, so I won't be uh, probably posting too much there. So if you want to follow us, I, I would go the Facebook, Instagram, TikTok route. So our social order subscribe subscribe to the feeds. Um, another thing I wanted to just promote really quickly, Ryan Gray and myself kicked off a large quarter one stretch project here, uh, kicked off on January 1st. We are ranking every WrestleMania match ever. There's 402 of them. <clears throat> and oh uh, we're doing that in the form of one minute shorts. So these will air on our YouTube channel. They'll air as Facebook and Instagram reels, and they'll air on our TikTok as well. They're quick one minute. They're not in depth, obviously at all. This is just like us reading our list of every WrestleMania match ever. We give a few quick thoughts about each match in that really quick get format. So those are going to drop throughout the day. We're dropping five a day uh, pretty much until we get toward the end. It's going to uh, alter a little bit. But our goal is to wrap up on WrestleMania Saturday of this year. So, wow. uh, you know, the first X amount have already dropped when, when this airs. <clears throat> and we're going to roll. There'll be ones every day. So just follow those feeds. TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or again, YouTube shorts, and you can track along with us and uh, and follow our list to see from 402 to number one. Um, I, don't, I don't know, Marcus, if our 402 was the same. <laughs> Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, do you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably it. It's probably it. And then I think we did have Brett Vince, I think, next, but Ooh, a little harsh, but all right. Yeah. Eh. It's at least a day three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so be sure to uh, check that out. Leave us your thoughts and any feedback and comments as well on any of the shows and any of the content here. And again, we want to thank you for hanging out with us in 2023 as we roll into 2024. Having you with us is exciting as well. So on this program here, Marcus and I are watching every dirty pay-per-view ever. We're doing it in a seasonal format. Uh, and that means we start with the pay-per-view following WrestleMania in any given calendar year. And we wrap up with WrestleMania the following year. So for this season, we started with SummerSlam 1990. We're going to end with WrestleMania 7 here tonight. Then we'll kick off a whole new season next week, or our next episode in two weeks. And that'll be the first pay-per-view after another Mania. We don't do chronological. We do a full season. Then we jump around all over the place. We're doing WWE. We're doing NXT. And uh, we're breaking them down in a unique way. So we're doing it based on a plus-minus system. If you think of everything on a pay-per-view as existing at replacement level, so the most average match, average commentary, average crowd, just kind of what you would expect going into a show, anything above that average line gets a point. Anything below that takes away from the show, below that line, takes away a point. We also grade every match. We take my grade, we take Marcus's grade, take the average, and then um, we do a plus or minus from that as well. So that'll all net out to one big final score, and we are stack ranking every pay-per-view ever um, this way. Marcus, do you want to review the categories that we are doing this plus-minus system within? Absolutely will. Uh, we start off with build, followed up by commentary, the atmosphere, notable moments and importance, our match grades, which JG just talked about, card structure, 
rewatchability and all-time matches and anything uh, for it to be a plus in the all-time match ca- category is something we both agree is 4.25 uh, and above. And for it to be a minus, it is something we both agree is 0.75 and below. All right. Okay, so we're going to dive into <coughs> excuse me, the finale of this season, and that is WrestleMania 7. And then after we do WrestleMania, we will go through our season-end awards. At the end of every season, we do some award stuff. So let's dive in, Marcus. WrestleMania 7 took place on March 24th, 1991 from Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena, Los Angeles, California. Gorilla Monsoon is the mainstay in the booth. Bobby Heenan is there for most of the show. Jim Duggan, Lord Alfred Hayes, and Regis Philbin also pitch in on commentary. Uh, there's a lot of celebrities. We'll talk about some of them as we go. Uh, there's also one dark match. Coco Beware defeated the Brooklyn Brawler. And then we'll get into the card in a moment. Um, but this was, of course, uh, the show infamously moved from the L.A. Coliseum. That's right. You know, they would blame uh, concerns about safety for Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, everything. The Coliseum and all that with everything going on. Uh, but, of course, um, it was clearly Def- ticket sales. That definitely not ticket sales, but potentially no, terrorism. Yeah, death threats, all of it. Cobra Kai. The gas station across the street. Cobra Core. He was Cobra Core. <laughs> I don't know G.I. Joe enough. This is where I need Aaron to save me. Who's the bad guys in G.I. Joe? He'll kill me. He's going to kill Cobra me. Cobra Commanders? That's a guy, Cobra right? Command. I know. Right, I was close. I said Cobra. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Not the Cobra I know. <laughs> all right. Our opening match is the Rockers defeat Barbarian and Haku. 10-minute opener. It's a pretty well-regarded opening match. It's the second straight pay-per-view opener for the Rockers where they really kill it. Um, I think for a while, this was like a top three Mania opener. I would say probably until like 17-ish it's up there with Mm. this and Bretton Owen is probably probably a top two. I think for a while it it held up um, at that level. So uh, the Rockers get the win. It's uh, Haku Beverly didn't team a ton. In WWF, it was kind of during this last stretch a little bit with Heenan that they started pairing up, and it's too bad because it would have been great. Um, you know, I, I don't want to take away from Haku and Andre, I guess, is the colossal connection because uh, they were really cool. But you wonder, like, if Barbarian would have been in that spot, could they have had some better matches? Maybe not as many good moments. But um, that said, as far as a match, this is this is really, really good. It has a great finish, too, um, as well. And I went ahead and gave this a three and a half. Yeah, three point two five for me. Uh, would would love to see like Barbarian and Haku in WWF during this time period. Like maybe tighten up their presentation just a little bit, like matching gear or something along those lines. Something to feel more like a, a altogether package. I think they really could have added some necessary depth to the tag team ranks as uh, we get further into ninety one and ninety two. Uh, but we'll move on to our next match, and that is uh, the Texas Tornado taking on Canada's and maybe the world's strongest man. Uh, Dino Bravo. Uh, this one is a uh, notoriously short match, and I went with a 1.25. Yeah, not much here at all. It's a squash just to get Tornado on the card. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously, Kerry Von Eric is uh, quite in the wrestling zeitgeist right now with the Iron Claw movie having just come out. And um, this really is, you know, for, for us, he's not here much, right? But he debuted in, in July won the IC title, I think only because they wanted the moment with Beefcake being out. And they obviously didn't have much faith in him. I think he was quite clearly washed out at this point, both physically and um, mentally. And I think it just, they knew they couldn't trust him in any kind mm-hmm. of position. Um, so he's, he's done with the belt by right after Survivor Series. And then from the next year, he does nothing. I mean, he's literally just 
in matches for like the next year or so. He does no real feuds or anything like that. So that kind of it's nice to game this moment. He's on a couple other pay-per-views. So they do think highly of, of his name to include him there, but they don't really give him much beyond it as far as like a feud or anything. So yeah, star and a quarter for that. Um, up next is a, is a feisty little surprisingly uh, fun match. I think for some that may not have seen it in a while, and that's the British Bulldog taking on the Warlord. This is the battle of the uh, full Nelson versus the Bill Slim. And this was pretty well built on TV, especially they did a segment on primetime uh, where Bulldog had to try and get out of the full Nelson and, uh, all that stuff. And the story and the commentary is all about can Warlord lock the fingers and stuff like that. So, um, also has two great pre-match promos. Uh, we're slick. Uh, oh, David boy. And, uh, <laughs> Bulldog a talk- dog world. <laughs> and, uh, Bulldog wearing, um, I mean, Bulldog talking to, uh, to Winston as well. Yes, yes, it is our day. Uh, just two great promos and a great match. The bounce he gets on the power slam at the end off Warlord is awesome. They come rebounding off the mat. Um, this is a really fun bomb fest. I went three stars. One of my favorite little hidden mania matches. Yeah, Haas fight. It's right up my alley. Uh, 3.25 for me. Uh, and let's go ahead and get on to our tag team title match, which is up next as the Heart Foundation are going to lose the tag team titles to uh, the nasty boys. Uh, I went three and a half. This is a match that grows on me every time I like watch it. Now, as I get a little bit older, it's always just a little bit better than I remember it being. Um, if I would have watched this a couple years ago, I'd go 3.25. Um, but it's just, the structure is really good. The heart foundation are just absolute pros at the style of match. Um, they really play off of Jimmy Hart and they have spots for him. Um, he's a deciding factor in the finish. Um, and it sets up the Nasty Boys well uh, as we move into what's going to end up being the next season of 92-93 uh, WWF. Uh, the Nasty Boys, um, they're our tag team champions, and uh, things are going to get interesting, perhaps, in the tag team division. The uh, I, I agree with you 100% when you say this is a match that definitely gets better with age. I always saw it like as a kid. and uh, In the early years, it was boring. Um, I thought it was kind of mm-hmm. long and plodding. And then... Um, I've, I've liked it a lot more as I've watched it over the years. I like the finish. Uh, I think the Nasty Boys winning made sense. The hearts were clearly done as a team by this point. Brett needs to get that solo run cooking. Um, they needed to get that up and running. So I, I think this was a fitting end. You know, I, I, I still believe that Power and Glory maybe deserved that spot. But it's hard to argue that the Nasties weren't kind of like a bigger get, having just jumped from WCW. They were on pay-per-views there. And, um I think they did have like a bigger time vibe than Hercules and Roma, who had, for all intents and purposes, been jobber to the stars over the last year and a half prior to becoming a team. Um, I still think they could have worked just fine in the transition mm. role between the Hearts and LOD, though. Uh, so I went three and a quarter. I like to finish with the helmet and uh, gets the belts over the nasties for the summer and the Hearts are cooked. Um, all right. Up next is another match. I think that's definitely one that, you know, the smart sort of uh, internet views in the 90s warped right that this was a, a stupid farce it was boring etc cetera, etc cetera. um but looking back now it is, it's a master class in ring psychology crowd participation that's jake the snake versus rick martell in a blindfold match uh, again not much to it but it's it's amazing how they wrap the crowd in the feud's been excellent leading up to it uh it's super memorable they do a really good job with what could have been a clusterfuck um they make it super entertaining so i went 275 on this um you know, I think it holds up well as a of a spec as a spectacle match. Yeah, I go three point two five just off of the degree of difficulty um, pulling off this match. Uh, like you said, the, the crowd participation—they're constantly glued. 
Um, Martel does an excellent job being a stooge heel. Um, Jake does a great job keeping the crowd engaged the whole time. And like I said, it's just a masterclass by two absolute pros um, of psychology and, uh, and crowd control. Uh, we have a very notable WrestleMania debut next as the Superfly Jimmy Snuka is going to take on The Undertaker, making his WrestleMania debut here. Uh, I went 1.5. Uh, the match is not great, but you get the cool visual of Undertaker hitting the uh, tombstone on Jimmy Snuka and uh, you get kind of the, the passing unofficially of the Phenom Torch. Um, that's uh, going to carry a long time. So uh, 1.5 for me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, you know, this is going to be a big point getter for this show. But if you know our metrics and how we rank things, uh, all time moment, Taker kicks off the uh, the streak, right? Kicks off the most legendary mania career that they would have. And the crowd's into him. Um, I think originally this was supposed to be Tugboat. Uh, he ends up beating him on the uh, he ends up beating him on the march to WrestleMania instead. And I think Snooka on pay-per-view made more sense to Tugboat, even though he's pretty washed. Like you said, it's kind of the phenom phenom thing that they play off of. He does a good sell too, where he jumps off the top and Taker catches him, chops him, and then picks him back up for the tombstone. So this is just what it needed to be. Uh, Taker gets established in Mania. He's got a big feud kicking off, like right after this with Ultimate Warrior. And by the end of the year, obviously, he's got really big things cooking. So, um, more to come from him. The match itself is fine. Star and a half, an effective squash. Up next is the match we're all here to talk about. It is the arguably greatest, if not at least top three, WFE match of all time. Ultimate Warrior versus the Macho King in a retirement match. Um, I, I don't. I don't think there's much more to say about it. Honestly, like uh, it's it's one of the greatest, both you know, creative uh, storytelling, in ring, dramatic. Uh, matches that they ever put on. The, the, I mean, people are in tears at the end when Savage and Liz reunite ends a, a wonderful story that they told since his, Savage's debut six years earlier. Um, you know, the warrior talking to his hands thing and talking to the gods gets a little silly, but um, my only slight nitpick was always a Savage. They blow up his finisher by having it at five of the elbows and warrior kicks out. I don't know if they needed to go that far with it, but if they thought he was done, I guess it's fine. Um, I stand by. This is a five. It's a perfect match. It's a perfect WWF match. And it, again, I'd, I'd have it top. I want to say when we did our GWWE list, I had a top two uh, all time for sure. I praise um, five for me. Absolutely. I don't know if it's going to hold as like the greatest WWE match or, or top two for me, but um, without question, this is this is a, a five star match for us. Um, and I was a little bit speculative about where I was going to fall. I knew it's an all-timer, um, but I've never watched this match like analytically. But watching it through that lens, um, it's it's a no-doubter, five stars all the way. Um, just the way that they're able to wrap everything up um, and just include all the history and the elbow drops and the talking to the hands. Like I love all of it. So um, Probably the second-best match uh, in the company to date, I would think, depending on how you feel about Hogan and uh, – and Warrior at WrestleMania six. Um, Hogan Andre. I mean, yeah. So it, it's in, it's in that realm though. It, mm -hmm. It's for sure a top three match at this point. Well, it'll be curious too because I think it's a top three in WWF history. Um, but the other ones to me are all Mania matches as well, right? So as like Ryan and I do this list we talked about earlier, like where does this land? <clears throat> for us like will it be number one mm -hmm. i mean it's in contention right there's a couple others uh again they're all mania so it's um 
it'll be interesting to see. Like I think, and and then even where does like a Hogan Andre fall? Right, we know like how like Aaron thinks something like that. Like it's a, it's a five star. And how does that rank in? So it'll be interesting as we go through that list. Um, but watching this back, I, I never waver. I've never once even considered this not being a five star match. Like to me, it's it's absolutely perfect. All right. Well, we come back from our brief intermission with a tag team action. Courtesy of Japan, we have the legendary Tenru and Fred Katawa taking on the Demolition. Uh, and what's going to be our farewell to Demolition, I believe? Uh, this is yeah. a wrap. Um, that's a bummer. Huge Demolition fan. Uh, of course, this is the crash, uh, Crush and Smash variation. Um, I went 1.75. Uh, it's not great, but you do get a powerbomb, uh, which is like state-of-the-art in WWF at this time. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, but that's all, all it really Yeah, I went 175 as well. It's, it's more sad than anything. Like, Demolition comes out, they get the Halloween theme music or whatever, and they got Fuji. <clears throat> the Smash looks completely just done at this point. He actually hangs around, um, for a while. He hangs around until like the summer, through the summer, as a solo yeah. mainly. I think Crush is gone pretty soon after this. Um, Tenru Katao look like. They wanted no real part of being there, but they didn't really get much to work with either. Uh, Katao infamously has his big issues a couple weeks later with Earthquake over in Japan. I think ostensibly ends his career in pro wrestling as part of that. Um, Tenru, you know, we'll see at other shows. I think we already talked about him once. At, did we do Rumble 93? We did, right? Yeah. So I think yep. we already covered him at least once. Um, yeah, not much cooking that 175. The commentary, which we'll talk about later, is the highlight of this match, Bobby and Gorilla. Um, all right, up next, Big Boss Man and Mr. Perfect for the IC belt. Three and a half from me. <clears throat> this is another one I think that's aged with time. I think the finish really kind of overshadows how good the match itself is. And it's it's real hard because I get that they didn't want to keep potatoing the belt from Perfect. They had just done it with Tornado. Um, they obviously had plans for Brett to get it later in the year. Uh, but man, Boss Man to end the story, to finish the story uh, with Bobby Heenan, right? He really needed to, like, do something more than he does here. So the most he does, really, is says Andre saves him. And then that's it. So the Andre and, and the, like, the boss and the boss man, like, that's cool, the two of them together. Um, and, uh, you know, he wins by DQ and Hakun Barbarian come in. But to me, this didn't feel like any kind of cathartic blow-off to what's been a feud since October, with Bobby and Rick Rude, you know, calling out Bossman's mom and all that. And he's he's vowed to go through the entire Heenan family and take the belt off of Perfect. So there is a Saturday Night's event a couple weeks after this. Like, I don't think it would have hurt Perfect at all to have Bossman win, even if you have Andre help him. Like, if you know, if you're going to do that and just let, let him take the belt from the Heenan family, get that moment defeating Perfect. Um, and then you can have perfect get it back to set up for SummerSlam. Like, I think that, that would have been fine. Uh, so that's my like qualm here. I think it's a great match. It's just, I, I don't know. It was, it was bad timing. It, it was just bad timing all around because with the tornado switch, they didn't want to do another one, but um, it just felt like boss man really needed to win to like make that feud feel like really complete. Yeah. Uh, 3.25 for me. And that's just based off of like, you know, I think it would have been 3.5 maybe even higher had there been a, a solid finish um, with, you know, Bossman picking up a win, but um, it's, it's a really good match. And Bossman, this is probably like his prime. Uh, we saw him back at the rumble tear it down. Uh, he's got his working boots on again here. So a match is, is, is really good stuff, but you know, no finishes is, is kind of just blast. Uh, 
leaves you wanting more. Um, next up, we've got the Earthquake taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine. Uh, this is another WrestleMania squash. I went with a two, um, a little bit more juice to this one. Um, but again, nothing to write home about. I think Quake is on our, you know, our list that we are uh, ongoing. We should have probably made this an award. Maybe we can go back and, and retcon yeah. where they would be. But the uh, dominant season, nothing to do with Mania Award, right? Like we've seen this almost every season where there's a guy that's a focal point of the promotion uh, through the summer, through the fall. And then by the time you get to February, they're kind of like, all right, they whatever big feud they had cooking runs out of steam. And then you're sitting in Mania with nothing to do. We, we've seen it with uh, Kurt Angle, Zack Ryder um oscar like you know we, we've seen it every year um and now here's another one with uh with earthquake who's the top heel for most of the season uh even at the rumble he's the finalist and then here he's just beating greg valentine washed up face greg valentine in three minutes i mean and he starts a big feud right after with jake and forms the natural disasters in the summer as well so they had plans for him still it's not like he's done uh it's just he's in this one month vortex with nothing to do so having him kill valentine's fine um and the highlight of this match anyways the celebrities getting interviewed at ringside during the intro so uh all right another squash up next legion of doom make their wrestlemania debut defeating power and glory half a star hercules is growing to screw it up so he can't even really do much um power and glory had cost lod the mania tag title shot in the battle royal on superstars before this so this is kind of payback lod just demolishes them in like a minute um i was fine with it they didn't need to drag it out so i, I went a half a star just for the squash but yeah 0.75 for me um really wish i could have done a little bit more but the circumstances are what they are um would have loved to see these guys run it back um in a prominent spot and give them proper time to uh let these four big dudes hammer it out but uh, our next match is Ted DiBiase taking on Virgil. Uh, and this is another big time match following <laughs> from the Royal Rumble. This is Virgil finally leaving DiBiase. And I went with a uh, war of three for this match. Um, really solid stuff. I think their SummerSlam uh, 91 match is, is really good. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, when we get to it, uh, can't wait to grade that. Unless, yeah, we didn't do that season yet. Oh, we didn't no, do that. That's, one that that's a great match. Okay. I love that one. Yeah, this one's this one's good. I mean, Vir I went three and a quarter. Virgil's still <laughs> kind of excuse me, kind of figuring out the uh, the new gimmick and the new little face run he's got going on. They really play him up like he's a novice still. Um, so he's kind of leaning on that. You got Piper at ringside with the with the crutches and the one one bad hip. Um, so again, Virgil wins by uh, count out when Piper hooks the rope and DiBiase falls out. They have the post-match fight where Piper gets his ass kicked with the crutch, uh, throws it at poor Danny Davis's penis, um, and then Virgil makes him stand up and be a man. So this is more about the beginning of this feud between Virgil and DiBiase than the end. So this is, I think this is fine the way they do it. It's really the, the kickoff versus a blow-off, so. Um, why don't you take the next one? I need a, need a sec here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, we've got uh, Tito Santana, Mr. WrestleMania to this point, taking on the Mountie. Uh, I went with a 0.75 for this match. I think this one is right around a minute, maybe even less. Uh, it's super quick. Um, you'd like to see Tito get a little bit more action at WrestleMania uh, as he's going to have a cool streak that uh, officially goes through WrestleMania 8. I think they factor in WrestleMania 9 into that too. Uh, with a dark match, but uh, you'd like to see a little bit more for Tito, but uh, it's all about getting to the main event at this point. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is just a, a quick throwaway. <clears throat> um, I honestly think it's it's quite bad. Uh, it's it's pretty low on, on me and Ryan's list. It's not a surprise. I think it's one you could have done without. Now, this is two straight pay-per-views as well. The Mountie is just like trash on with the Coco match at the Rumble. Now, here, it doesn't show much. Hits him with a shock stick. Um, it's Tito's seventh straight media match, so that was a cool little fun fact. And I think David mentioned that, like, in the build to it. Um, I want a quarter of a star. I think it's I think it's one of the worst matches in Mania history. It's it's pretty bad. It's not even like an effective squash like the Earthquake one or the LOD one. Um, it's just he looks like a lame ass. Like he's gonna use the shock stick, you know, in a minute and I don't know. It's just, it felt yeah. like one that could have just like they weren't against chopping matches at this point. I know it's would have sucked to do that to Tito, but um, or maybe just dump Tornado and Bravo earlier in the night and and have this instead might have been better. I um, wish that you could just put these two guys together, put uh, Tito with uh, Earthquake, and then you get rid of Hammer and uh, and Mountie, or just do a six man with the Hart family, do Quake, Bravo, and Mountie against like the veteran stalwarts Tornado, Valentine, and Tito. Yeah. You know, I mean, they combine the three and go give them, give them eight minutes or whatever, and and then it's it's less nonsense. It tightens the card up a little bit. And then you kind of uh, have the Hart family stand strong because they all uh, two out of the three win anyway. And and Tornado didn't didn't matter if he won or not. Yeah. He only won more because Bravo wasn't gonna. So, um, <laughs> all right, main event: Hulk Hogan versus Sergeant Slaughter for the WWF title. Uh, a pretty foregone conclusion that Hogan is going to win. I went three and three quarters. I like this match a lot. I think it's underrated historically. Slaughter's a bump machine. Uh, it really puts on a, a great match with Hogan. Uh, the crowd is super, super hot into Hogan. Regis is fun on commentary. You get the fun stuff with the flag. Uh, you get a little blade job from Hogan as well. Um, my only one of my issues is I just hate the slaughter trope. He, we've seen it multiple times this season already, where uh, he thinks he won because the ref taps from the shoulder and he you know celebrates and then <laughs> you know gets up or whatever. He does it every match. It's it's up there with the fruit. Please know um, <laughs> things that people do every match. But uh, all in, it's it's a very very good WrestleMania main event. Yeah, three point five for me. Um, sick blade job uh, by the Hulkster. Really surprising. I wasn't expecting to see that. Uh, you know, having watched a season now in totality, um, kind of out of the blue. Uh, so that was cool to see Slaughter turn back the the clock to the early '80s in this match. Just the way he's bumping and moving around. Um, you know, you could tell it meant a lot lot to him to be in this position. And uh, he gives Hogan a, a really good match here. So 3.5 for me. All right. So when you net up all our average scores, uh, so Marcus, if you gave a match, uh, you know, or say we both gave it a three and a half, uh, that's a plus one from that mid-grade replacement level, right? So that, that match gets a one. Uh, if another match averaged out was a one for both of us, that's a minus one and a half, right? Because it's that below two and a half average score. So we tally all that up every match. And Mania 7 clocks in pretty low. It's at a one and a half for match grade. Mm. Um, I don't know if you think of it historically as a poor in-ring show. Um, because I do think there's so much, there's like high-end stuff. It's just, it's similar to six in, in that um this is a lot of low end volume as well because there's so many freaking matches and a lot of them are just like quick squashes or, or throwaways. So when you're doing kind of match waiting like this without really, or I should say match accumulation, great, great accumulation without waiting it, um, you get stuff like this that affects it, right? Because it's like, yeah, there's a five-star match. There's a three and three-quarter main event. There's a three and a half IC title, a three and a half tag. Like there's some great stuff, but when you weight it each match equally, there's five great and like nine 
shaky, you know, so it's just going to drag mm-hmm. it down a bit. But uh, yeah. I think we more than make up for it in the other categories. So I just wanted to call out that it was interesting because I don't think you necessarily think of this as like a poor in-ring show. Because everything that has a story um, really delivers. Like, I, right. I think everything that had a story on this show was, you know, three or above from us. Uh, it was really all the squashes just kind of bringing down the uh, the in-ring portion of the show. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Anything with a, anything with a story delivered, for sure. It's a good way to put it. <clears throat> All right. Well, we're going to see a lot of the stories on display here in this category. So we're going to start with Bill. So we gave a point for the British Bulldog Warlord feud over the finisher, a point for the iconic uh, blinding feud between Roberts and Martel, a point for Undertaker adding Paul Bearer as a manager. We didn't talk about that, but uh, Bearer makes his pay-per-view debut here. He had taken over from Brother Love. Uh, Ultimate Warrior ran Brother Love out of the WWF um, in the lead-up to this by destroying the Beloved Show set. But I think Paul Bearer had already transitioned on anyway uh, prior to that on the Brother Love show. So we give a point for that. Obviously, becomes an iconic pairing. A uh, point for the Warrior Savage War. Uh, I'm sorry, we actually gave it two points. The war's been building since November. There's a big stipulation on the line. Savage costs Warrior the title. Uh, the Brother Love Show set gets destroyed. So uh, a lot going on. A point for the Bossman Heenan feud. Uh, Andre and Bossman unified the March to Mania, and then they end it here. A uh, point for Greg Valentine turning face on Jimmy Hart. He's going to deal with Earthquake now. A point for Legion of Doom going out to destroy Power and Glory after they cost him the tag title match. Uh, a point for Virgil and DiBiase's war raging on with Piper training Virgil. A point for Hogan's slaughter, which has heated up big time since the Rumble with the slaughter rules uh, and him burning the flag and the shirt and all that stuff. Um, a point for the really good build on TV to the celebrities. You have Regis and Kathy appearing. Uh, you build up the instant replay debate. So they really went heavy again on the celebs here for the first time in a bit. Um, and they built them up well. So a lot of, a lot of good build to this show. Yeah. Hulkster's got a whole new set of rules. Uh, for our minuses, we've got a heavy on the Iraq war, a very jingoistic build. Uh, it's heavy-handed all throughout. Uh, so many matches with no real build or issue, uh, which we just talked about. So we lumped all those in to a minus three. Uh, we've got the Nasties earning the tag team title shot by winning the random battle royal. There's no interaction with the hearts at all, really leading up to uh, anything. And then the big change in venue uh, after hyping up the LA Coliseum. Uh, projecting there's going to be a hundred thousand WWF fans, um, and you know we moved to the much more intimate uh, LA Sports Coliseum. All right, so that's a five overall for Bill. So strong commentary. Here we go. <laughs> Obviously, a strong commentary show. Um, a point for the great rotating guest commentators, Duggan, Lord Al Regis. They're all really good. Uh, a point for Duggan talking about the Rockers and Aku Barbarian strategy. Does it a good job in the opener. Uh, a point for the really great commentary, navigating the blindfold match and the story there. A point for the great gorilla line. Paul Bearer is a sick man. Uh, a point for the fantastic storytelling of Warrior Savage and navigate all the emotions. I'd rather have money than a skirt. That just sums up all of Bobby's character at once. Uh, of course, the iconic back and forth between uh, them around uh, Fred Katao, Katao, uh, you know, you'd have a problem if his name was Fred, uh, just, you know, all classic stuff from Girl and Bobby around that. A point for uh, Alfred as Mr. Perfect's uh, prominent package is on display. Uh, he goes, Mr. Perfect is looking absolutely stuffed and brimming with confidence. Just another <laughs> usual classic Al double entendre. 
Uh, Bobby saying Lou Ferrigno, uh, wondering how he could talk with 15 pounds of crackers in his mouth. Uh, Bobby's on fire when he's ripping Piper and Virgil. He says he looks like George Foreman on Nutrisystem. When Piper's on the ground, he says, I fall on and I can't get up. Virgil works out a lot. They even named the dumbbell after him. Um, and then Regis uh, is great in the main event. He really brings the heat yeah. and the guest role. So a lot of strong commentary performance here tonight. Um, you know, a, a fun night of commentary overall. It's not what you think of when you think of like the Gorilla Bobby iconic performances really or the gorilla jesse is kind of in between those two eras um but it's a really good showcase of what gorilla and bobby could do on the big stage and they would do over the next two years great for our minuses we got uh gorilla monsoon calling uh the world's most famous child star at that time a youngster talking about macaulay calkin of course uh before someone clues him in as to who it is uh, yeah it's like bobby he's like oh that youngster's having a great time or whatever and then like 30 seconds or a minute later he's like you want to want to be left home alone with this guy I forget, it's not yeah, yeah. Like, with the nasty boys oh the nasty yeah. boys yeah you want to be home alone with the nasty so someone definitely said <laughs> name drop home alone name drop home alone which had just come out in theorist. december i mean yeah it was it yeah. was big time uh, we got Bobby randomly noticing Liz before Savage's match. It's um, uh, it's a little forced. Uh, yeah, it's a good it's, attempt, but it's forced. It's too much. Like that always drove me nuts. Like it's right before that match. He had like, like who, who, who? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Cameraman, bear with me. It's like I don't know. Maybe like have someone like maybe Bobby is like the king of oh my my uh, my mole or my my guy backstage, right? Like yes. you said, I just got a, I just got a note from Leonard Lenny backstage, right? He spotted someone in the crowd. Let me go check it out. Like just like something like that would have been a little less like heavy handed, you know. Yeah. The one thing Bobby's ever in great is that heavy handed stuff. Like he's, you know, really rams in the facetiousness like too much. But yep. uh, speaking of Bobby, we got uh, some super racist commentary for uh, Tenru and Katow. Uh, some lines like I smell uh, could keep him on, uh, and then Bobby being really stiff on Lou Ferrigno. Uh, he got the one good line in, but he kind of keeps hammering, and uh, it's it's a little rough. So we went minus two there, yeah. It's a little, little insensitive about the, the uh, vocal disabilities of uh, poor Lou. Um, all right, so plus six the commentary, so strong, strong there. Uh, atmosphere, I mean, this show is known right for its great atmosphere. Um, three points for the heavy Americana theme. I mean, it stands out whether you feel the jingoism is, is too heavy handed or not, it stands out so much historically. I mean, the red, white, and blue bunting everywhere, uh, just really makes for a memorable view. Uh, a point for Duggan in the USA gear, it looks awesome. He's got like kind of the Apollo Creed going on. A point for the big pop for Tornado. Monster pop for Bulldog when he hits the power slam and wins. Um, a point for the crowd being red hot during the tag title match, which adds a lot to it. Two points for the blindfold match, audience participation. They're so engaged. Three points for the uh, everything warrior savage with the crowd. Uh, they're sucked in. The guy with the weird hat crying. The lady crying. Like, everything just hits. Uh, the full three there. Uh, great reaction for Perfect the Boss Man. Makes that feel like a big deal. Big pop for Andre. Point for that. Uh, of the usual massive LOD pop point for that. And then the God level pop for Hogan winning. Um, and I should just call out because we didn't, we didn't say this at the top. One point is our standard. Two point is when it's like extra good. Three is our max. So if we, if mm-hmm. we get something at three, it's like at all time, that's the most points you can get in our system. So that's, uh, we had, we had a couple of those in this atmosphere, which tells you just how great the atmosphere here was for this. Yep. Uh, let's get into the minuses for atmosphere. Uh, there's not too many here. We got the crowd being dead for uh, demos and uh, uh, tenor and towel. Um, and a good portion of them are probably still coming back from the concession stands or whatever from intermission. Uh, plus, we got the the awful uh, Halloween style demolition theme. Uh, so we went minus one for that. 
Uh, we got the arena setting. Um, it feels below what this WrestleMania should be drawing. And again, maybe they can't be doing a hundred thousand uh, in the LA Coliseum, but you got WrestleMania six, which does, you know, 68,000, I believe. And then you got uh, WrestleMania eight right after this. And again, that's not like a, a sellout, but um, it's in a dome. Uh, right. And they definitely draw a lot of people. They, you know, what 40, 50,000 people uh, in Indianapolis. So this one kind of stuck out. I mean, they're packed in. So the place looks sold out. It looks tremendous. But how big is like, is um, the Rose Bowl bigger than, or is that that's is that the same thing as the Coliseum? Is that the same thing? Um, I don't know if there's any other outdoor venues in I LA. Know. I think they wanted to run LA, and the problem was it seems like there's either this massive, massive place or a standard arena. There's like nothing in between. But this isn't the. I mean, was the Lakers building bigger than this? Like the uh, Forum. Um. Let's see, the Rose Bowl is a separate stadium, um, but that would have been probably too big. Uh, still would have been around that 90,000 figure. Okay. So um, the LA Sports Arena holds about 16,000 for wrestling. Um, let me see what the Great Western Forum is. That's what it was at that time, right? Uh, it's all the same building, I think. The, no, the Sports Arena, uh, no, it's different, I think. Oh. The forum um, looks like it holds, yeah, well, about 17,000 in full. So maybe a little bit bigger. Maybe it was a Lakers game or something that night. Um, all right. So uh, where are we at? Okay. So that's a plus, that's a total score of 13 for atmosphere. So extremely strong. That's very high. Uh, notable moments and importance. Give a point for the classic Willie Nelson. He's out with all the merchandise doing the America the Beautiful. Uh, point for Bobby Heenan's last paper. He was a manager. A uh, point for all the debuts. Uh, we actually have the max three because we have Texas Tornado, Legion of Doom, Nasty Boys, Tenro Katao. So that peaks. We gave Undertaker. Normally, we, we maxed the, the debuts at three. Undertaker, I feel like he deserves his own three because of the importance he is in synonymous mm -hmm. to Mania. So we gave the full three for Taker. Uh, uh, two points for the classic celebrity interviews all night. Regis, Trebek, Gene in the crowd. Uh, just all really, really memorable. You got you know Jake in there, Marla Maples. Um, Trebek and uh, Regis getting stonewalled and set up by Bobby with all the bad guests not talking to them and Taker's measuring Regis for the body bag and, uh, Alex, uh, more racist stuff from, from Alex Trebek uh, I'm sorry, from uh, Regis just trying to say the Japanese terms to Tenro Katao to try it. and at one point I did Tenro, one of them cracks when he says one. He says Toyota or something and they, one of them yeah. starts to bust up but, um, and then, then Ferrigno Henry Winkler, Ultimate Warrior getting his ultimate win Um so there's like this, everything's super memorable uh, about the celebrities on the show. Uh, a point for the first ever pay-per-view blindfold match, three points for Savage and Liz reuniting. It's an all-time WF moment. Uh, one point for Andre's final WrestleMania appearance. One point for Sherry joining DiBiase at the end of that match. Ooh, yep. And we didn't talk about that, but she comes out and uh, joins DiBiase. And then a point for Hogan winning the WF title for the third time. All right. Uh, for our minuses, we've got uh, the final Heart Foundation pay-per-view match. Uh, ends with a loss and a quiet separation. I got Savage's finisher getting killed off. Uh, no foresight um, that he would really be back either. Um, Demolition officially fades off uh, with a resounding thud. Uh, Fuji and Trebek say, uh, oof, yeah. Uh, short <laughs> Very racist Japanese, comments. Uh, opponents, yeah. Uh, and Regis, uh, super racist with Tenru and Katao. Uh, boss man doesn't really complete his promise of revenge on the Heenan family. Uh, he doesn't take the title, doesn't beat up Heenan, and uh, just kind of moves on. And then, uh, power and glory, RIP, they are killed dead. 
did. And then we didn't talk about an option earlier too with with Boss Man. Like, even if he doesn't win the title, he's at least going to beat the shit out of Bobby, right? Like, I right. mean, yeah. I guess they needed Bobby for commentary, which is probably why they didn't do it. So again, he's stuck in a real tough place. Like, Bobby needed to eat a Boss Man slam, you know. And then, and then maybe just as one more match, like the next match, they could have gotten away with it. it was, well, is the next one Dibiase? Is that why? They needed him for that one. Yeah. Oh no, it's uh. Oh no, they got Valentine. They got LOD. Yeah, they could have had him out for those two. Keep Lord Alfred out there for a few matches, and then have Bobby come for the final stretch, and he's bandaged up or something. But like, they needed to just do something more than they did for Boss Man. Um, all right, so that's a plus twelve for moments. So a super memorable mania with a great atmosphere. Uh, one and a half for match grades. For card structure, uh, we give a point for opening with the Rockers tag. A point for kind of setting things up in sections. You kind of get undercard matches and then a keystone match. And some undercard matches and a keystone match. Um, a point for having a mid-show main event with Mega Angle kind of splits the show as well. So not only into quarters, but also into halves. So if you kind of look at this as a two-part show, you kind of get to that Warrior Savage reset, intermission, interviews, and then you get into the back end. So they kind of split things up nicely. A point for using the celebrities in a really good way. They're Instead of overshadowing or dominating segments, um, you know, they're all classically trained, like old school comedian kind of guys. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And they're they're weaved, you know, woven, I should say, into the structure of the card. So they're used to tell the stories of the night. It's it's almost like they had a few Euchres out there, you know, like um, like Euchre does at three and four. Where they're telling, especially at four. Euchre's so good at four, telling the journey of the tournament throughout, right? Like, and, and Vanna as well. Um, and they kind of do that again here. Like the guys are using, tell, they're guiding you through the evening. Um, versus, you know, whatever, dominating segments or being shoehorned into where they don't belong. Like, right. but I think it helps that Regis was just so familiar with the product because so many wrestlers were on the show and everything else. So he was like a perfect fit. You know, again, he's kind of an old school comedy guy. He fits well with like Bobby bantering back and forth and stuff. So, um, all right, what do we got for negatives for crowd structure? Oh, our negatives. Uh, we got the bloated card filled with random matches. Leads to a lot of uh, quick aimless outings. And squashes, uh, prime spot, like we said, for an eight man tag about a royal, a six man tag, uh, especially with all of Jimmy and uh, uh, Jimmy Hart's guys floating around. So we encapsulate that with a minus two. Uh, we get the start of the second half uh, with a lame duck demolition um, against a phase team uh, that nobody really knows. And again, that's kind of the popcorn spot. Everybody's still coming back from intermission. Um, we got two top card matches, have soft finishes and uh, not decisive finishes at all. Poor use of uh, the Earthquake main eventer for the last year stuck in a meaningless squash late in the card. All right, so negative one for card structure, really kind of the worst category. Uh, Rewatchability, uh, we get a point for the Warlord Slick and Bulldog promos, a point for the Nasty Boy celebration with the Hart family, poor Marla Maples gets dredged in champagne, a point for Savage and Liz reuniting, that's extremely rewatchable. Uh, a point for Tenra's powerbomb. A point for Gene interviewing the celebrities of the crowd. Uh, it's the least Donald Trump I think has ever talked in his life. Uh, uh, Chuck Norris naming all the old wrestlers. Oh, you know, Professor Tanaka. <laughs> it's going off. Uh, Henry, Henry Winkler being happy for Warrior and his ultimate win. Ho, 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 Lou Ferrigno. Um, and then a point for, for poor Danny Davis. I mean, Piper just launches that crutch and has some direct shots of the ball. <laughs> Uh, and he just crumples in pain, because <laughs> it's a great moment for media history. Yeah, our only minuses here are both in the same match. Uh, we've got uh, Dino Bravo just looking absolutely bloated, uh, and Texas Tornado looking uh, less than present. So yeah, he was on um, the planet. Yeah. The show. Uh, so it's a plus four for rewatchability. 
for all-time matches. Give a point, obviously, for Warrior Savage. And then we had two uh, on the minus side, just so you know, for all, all-time match, like we said earlier, four and a quarter for you, four and a quarter for me and above. All-time bad is 0.75 and below. OD Power and Glory feels kind of like, uh, I don't know, like maybe it doesn't belong to be there, but it's just like Hercules can barely move. Like, I don't know. Just mm-hmm. It's it's a tough one. And, but Tito Maloney absolutely belongs there. It's, it's a bad match. So negative one for all-time matches gives us a total war score of 39.5. Um, so Marcus, that makes it our number three show of all time. Wow. Okay. So we've had some heavy hitters lately. Um, I, I thought this was one that had a chance to be number one. I'm not going to lie. Uh, at, at least the LOD match didn't make a difference, really. Uh, our number one shows at 44. That's Rumble 02. And number two is SummerSlam 90 at 42. Um, and just below this is SummerSlam 01 at 39. So it's it's pretty tight. I mean, it's four and a half off the number one spot. I mean, you know, clean up the card structure a little bit, maybe, and I don't know, maybe less junk matches, I guess, really is what hurts it from being number one, I think. All those those squashes of no build that kind of throwaways. Um, but I, I think this, I mean, going into this project, this is one I had in mind that had like a real good chance to be at the top. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little surprised it didn't rank higher, but like we were both really high in SummerSlam 90. Um, and I don't think either of us thought that was going to be an all-time show. Um so yeah, I think it's just it's too many too many matches that mean nothing, unfortunately. Uh, you know, looking back, some of the the racism on commentary, uh, those are a lot of dings. Um, but it's it kind of just goes to prove like you can have excellent in ring action, but you know if you bog that down with a lot of squash matches that don't amount to anything and and don't really do too much or or have much of a purpose on the show um it's going to hurt the the overall grade of the show um by our system so um, yeah i think it's the one that's just hurt by that length <clears throat> um by the bad that kind of drags it just uh, but not that much i mean again it's only four points off our top spot it's still you know we've done how many 111 shows and it's number three so uh it didn't hurt it that much barely finishes again above SummerSlam one uh, and then SummerSlam 92 and 99 are at 38 and a quarter so it's it's up there for sure um, all right, you want to do our year-end awards? Absolutely, let's get into it. Uh, all right, our first award is our MVP award. JT, what you got? And who do we got? I want you to go ahead and. Oh, I'll go ahead. All right, uh, this one's got to go to the Hulk. You know, Hulka, Hulka, Hulkamania, uh, Hulk Hogan. Um, you and Scott talked about uh, kind of this season and time period of uh, of WWF and kind of the second run, really kind of third run of Hogan. Um, and how it's kind of like looked back on on like oh he's running out of gas, but mm-hmm. it's Mm-mm. it's really it's really not the case. Um, you know he just need to be charged up for a little bit, and um, he's good to go. He, he took the storm by season, I thought. Yeah, yeah, super over. I mean, SummerSlam, super over against Earthquake. Survivor Series is over. Rumble, he's big time over when he wins a Rumble. Um, and then here, I, I don't think anyone else had the consistency he had for the season. I mean, like Warrior and Savage have a higher high. But Warrior did nothing for most of the season until this. Savage the same. He was hurt or you mm-hmm. know, not even appearing half the time. So um perfect. Didn't didn't have a lot cooking. The hearts really didn't have much of a season after SummerSlam. Um I don't know. Like there's really no one else that stood out as like uh 
you know, strong contender. Legion of Doom, maybe. Like, I don't know, they were over, but Taker's not quite there yet. So I, I think Hogan was actually probably one of the easier yeah. MVPs we had um, to pick here. All right, our Silver Slugger. So uh, this is the highest average match grade. It had to be in at least uh, about half the matches, I think we usually say, around there. Um, this team wasn't definitely that many. They were in all four. Um, I don't think we count the Rumble, though, for this, this category. Uh, so that's our foundation. Their average match grade is 3.59 for us for the season um i mean i don't again i don't think anyone else jumps out it's not really the best in-ring season 1990 is not a great in-ring year for wf and that's half the season for us survivor series 90 is kind of an all-time bad in-ring card uh rumble doesn't have a lot cooking on the other card either really most of it's in the ring um i think the rockers would have had a shot uh Maybe a Sorius was a little bit better because Rumble is great. This match is really good. SummerSlam 90 was really good. So um, kind of a two-team race in ring. Yeah, and a guy like Savage, who you think would have a chance to run away with it during the season. Uh, he's not at Survivor Series or like Rumble ma- in ring. Two matches so. and one sucked. So, yeah. yeah. All right, what's next? Uh, next up, we have our Vin Scully Award, which goes to our best commentator. And uh, for the only second time, uh, this will be Gorilla Monsoon receiving the award. Uh, he previously won it for our 85-86 season. Yeah, he's the constant here. Um, you know, you have Piper for a few shows, and he we weren't like the biggest Piper fan. Uh, and then, you know, Bobby, I think probably would have won in most, most seasons during the stretch, but he's only on one show, and he's not even on the whole show. So it's tough to really go with him just yet. Gorilla is the, the guy navigating. Um, he's not a SummerSlam, but he's a Survivor Series Rumble and Mania. Um, and he's great on all three, as always. So, I think if Bobby had one more, it might have been mm. if Bobby had yeah. a rumble or something. All right, our Mendoza Award uh, is for the lowest average match grade, and this went to the Mountie 0.88. Uh, just two pay per view dog shit matches with Coco and with Tito down the stretch here. He actually ties Hogan in 92 93. Uh, not our lowest, though. Our all time lowest is Moondog's spot, I believe. Point or three spotty. Eight. And 85, 86, um, pretty low. And then just above spot was uh, poor Miss Jacqueline at point, point six seven and 99, 2000. Tough draw. Our LVP, uh, this mm-hmm. is our least valuable player. Uh, and this one isn't so much based on match rankings. Uh, that's our Mendoza award. So this one is kind of given to somebody who had a lot of opportunity, uh, was in a high profile spot throughout the season. And that's going to go, unfortunately, to... The America Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Um, not much of a match to speak of at SummerSlam with Macho Man. They blow that off. Um, Survivor Series, the performance isn't that great. Um, he looks like an idiot, too. He gets counted out. Yeah, chasing. Uh, oh, no, he does. I guess he got brother love. Out, He still looks like a bum. Um, and then uh, the Royal Rumble match is just, you can tell he's got, you know, two feet out the door. <laughs> Yeah, he's a complete afterthought. They lose and then yeah. they're gone while the whole. He's already got the booking job at WCW, so yeah. yeah, he's out. Yeah, he had a bad season for a guy that's like a top flight guy coming into SummerSlam. He's like a top guy, um, and then just completely just a rapid decline from there. So, all right, best performance. We went Randy Savage at WrestleMania Seven. Um, again, I don't think we need to get into it, but between the match and the post match is just psychotic stuff from him. Yep. All right. Uh, next up is our rookie of the year award. And this goes to a superstar who did not appear on a pay-per-view in any other previous season. Uh, so we felt this award, uh, went to the undertaker. Um, 
kind of speaks for himself, man. Uh, (laughs) All-time Mania debut, great debut of Survivor Series, good Rumble performance. Yeah, I mean, there's no bigger rookie in this season than him. I mean, and they're actually, there's a, like, LOD is a good choice as well. Um, But you can't, you can't pick them over Taker. Uh, So they kind of got hosed because in any other season, they're probably up there for how they debuted with how everything went. So in Tornado, I mean, you know, kind of sputtered at the end, but had a great first couple of pay-per-views. So nasty boys. Yep. Nasties. There's a lot of good rookie campaigns. Um, All right. Most main events. So here's some counting stats. Most main events was Hulk Hogan with three. (coughs) Most matches. One was Hulk Hogan with five. Most title matches. Uh, we had uh, Har Foundation, Mr. Perfect, Ultimate Warrior, Sergeant Slaughter, all tied with two. Uh, most matches lost. We had a lot. <laughs> it was pretty much just, um, you know, guys, I guess, that all had, it looks like they all had three. I think Demolition, Dusty Rhodes, Mr. Perfect, Tito Santana, Orient Express, and the Barbarian um, all had three. Best crowd. Marcus, who do we go with best crowd? Uh, we went with Los Angeles for WrestleMania seven um, winner by hair because the SummerSlam 90 crowd in Philly was uh, absolutely mm-hmm. red hot. Uh, but we gave the edge to uh WrestleMania seven crowd in LA. This car has a longer night uh, to get through a bunch of junk to get through. And they're, you know, standing tall at the end, still in the main event going crazy for Hogan. So yeah, this, this crowd makes, and plus, I mean, honestly, just the Savage list stuff alone would, would propel this crowd um, on top of everything else. All right, we're going to wrap with our all-star team and all-loser team. So here's our all-star team. It's our five best performers of the season. Hulk Hogan, the Big Boss Man, the Heart Foundation, Ultimate Warrior, and Macho King Randy Savage. You know, Warrior and Savage, again, were shaky through parts of the season, but um, I guess Warrior less so, right? Because SummerSlam, he gets the dominant win over Rude. Um, he's in that cool bookend survivor series with the warriors and then he stands to old hogan um the slaughter match was fine and then an all-time classic savage you know starts shaky um but he does have that low-key funny interview at SummerSlam when he's up on the sedan the moody's on the on the ladder shaking um obviously he's a big time player at the rumble uh where he cost warrior the title and then the match here hearts were tag team champions are our silver sluggers and then hogan goes without saying and boss man again was really good too this is really his ascension Mm -hmm. as a top face in this season so all right uh and we also have to close us out the all loser team and uh we got some all-timers here as we've got uh dusty Rhodes, the mountie nikolai volkoff uh bad news brown and the texas tornado yeah yeah i mean all guys that had you know, ample opportunity and just really kind of stunk up the joint. Tornado, again, had the good moment at SummerSlam. He's in that cool match of Survivor Series, but after that, just just nothing going on. I mean, he looks completely strung out and done by by the Rumble of Mania. Quick drop for him. Um, bad news was in that awful sewer rat match. That was garbage at SummerSlam, and then he's gone. Volkov, terrible. Uh, Mounty, terrible. We talked about it, and Dusty is a waste. So I, I think that's fair. A fair group right there um, of guys that just really did not look good. All right. Um, so final thing to do here is our ranking of the pay-per-view years. 1990, uh, 1991 finishes with 84.25 total war points, only four pay-per-views. So that's low on the counting side. But when you average that out, divide by four, it has an average of 21.1, Marcus, which puts it at fifth all-time of the 12 seasons we've done. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, if you want to go to that tab, you want to read all, all 12 off? We haven't really yeah. Done um, 
So uh, our bottom ranked uh, season so far is 1985-1986 with a war of nine. Well, let's do the average. So average. Oh, uh, average. Sorry. So yeah, average of four point five and total score of nine. All right, ninety-four, ninety-five. The average score was five point six. All right, uh, 2011-2012, The average score was ten point two. Oh four, oh five was next with an average of twelve point six. 2018-2019 with an average score of 13.7. 1999-2000, an average score of 17.8. 2015-2016 with a 19.2. The season we just did, 90-91 with a 21.1. Uh, 2014-2015, NXT with a 20.6. 2018-2019, NXT with a 21.3. Uh, does this one go higher? The ninety ninety one? Does it go higher than the NXT season? Real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Average score. Right. Okay. All right, so it's actually number four. Um, there we go. Ninety nine was number four. Now it's above eighteen. It's above fourteen fifteen NXT. I bet on that. So yeah, so it goes ninety ninety. It goes fourteen fifteen NXT, ninety ninety one, eighteen nineteen NXT, and our top two. Uh, nineteen ninety two, ninety three with a twenty two point nine. And then 2001-2002 was our best season at 26.1. I think you can see the top is kind of heavily tilted toward the shorter seasons, right? Because there's less chance of uh, bad shows dragging it down. But they also have less chances to hit. I mean, so, like, if you have a couple, two out of bad, uh, four bad shows, it's going to sink the season. Like 94, 95, et cetera. So you still need to hit on them. Uh, But I think it shows you how good 0102 was. This is 12 pay-per-views. And it's, or it might even be more as we did the UK stuff. And it's at the top by far like out, outpacing a bit, so. all right buddy season is in the books we are done with 90 a lot of fun heading back um so in two weeks we're going to kick off a new season we'll save that surprise for you we're going to fast forward a bit uh not too far though not too far, and uh we'll get into a brand new season on our next episode be sure to subscribe like we talked about earlier uh to everything here at north south connection we appreciate you uh, here in the new year i want to thank you leave us any support any love any comments uh share us around that would be the biggest thing you can do for us as listeners we'd really appreciate it so for marcus i'm jt continue to live your life above replacement level everywhere around the world they come to america Every time that flag's unfurled, they come into America. Got a dream to take them there. They come into America. Got a dream they come to share. They come into America. Sing.